This is an independently produced women-owned show. All of our content, editing, distribution, and promotion is done by the three people you hear on the podcast each week. And all of it is paid for out of our own pockets because it's important to us. But now you can help us keep the lights on by making a small contribution to support our efforts. For the price of one or two cups of coffee a month, you can help us produce over 40 episodes a year, plus year-round content in our weekly newsletter and our social media community. And remember how your mom got a free VHS tape of Peter, Paul, and Mary when she became a supporter of PBS? You, too, will get special thank you gifts when you support the PCPS. From blooper reels and after-the-episode discussions to raw, uncut video footage of our recording sessions. We appreciate your support, and we want to show it by sending these perks your way. You can become a supporter by going to poppreservationist.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Or go to our link in bio on Instagram and find the Patreon link in our link tree. And thank you from the bottom of our bell-bottomed hearts. There is no filler. It's all killer, as they say. <laughs> all killer and no filler. It's so uh, true. You've got like Hungry Like the Wolf and Rio are such bops. You cannot hear yeah. those songs. I always say you can't hear those songs without like, doing the air drums at the beginning when you're right. driving. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who can still feel the pain of the staple sinking under their fingernail when they're tediously removing the centerfold from Tiger We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we're saving our generation's Fab Five in an intimate conversation between two devotees of Duran Duran. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Today's conversation is one I've been waiting to have for like two or, I don't know, 42 years. (laughs) I was so excited when you guys finally agreed to have it with me this season. And then you decided not to have it with me. (laughs) Well, things are just working out the way they're supposed to. And I want to make it clear. I am a fan of Duran Duran. Mm -hmm. I do love Duran Duran, but I wasn't in love with them. That's different, right? That's a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason I believe if I look at my timeline is because when Duran Duran became popular, that was when I was old enough to have my own boyfriend. Oh, and sure. so once you have your own boyfriend, you kind of retire your celebrity crushes a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're moving on to another into another place. Um, and so when an opportunity landed in our laps to um, maybe bow out of this episode, <laughs> I, I took advantage. Because <laughs> and as you guys know, my time might be spoken for right now um, in – it, like I'm having trouble forming sentences because there's just – I my calendar is color-coded. There's it's a lot true. going on because I don't know if you've heard, but I have a book coming out what? in July. Really? I don't know if you've heard that or not. Congratulations. I've been keeping kind of quiet about it. I haven't <laughs> said much. but I can't yeah. wait to hear about it. That's amazing, Kristen. Yeah. I'll tell you all about it later. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, to say that Michelle is a Duran Duran fan might be the biggest understatement that I could make. She is passionate with a capital P about this band and its impact on her. 
And while I enjoyed their radio hits enough, and I remember a few of those music videos where they're like, I think, crawling around in a jungle (laughs) and another where they're on some kind of a sailboat and then they're walking along a beach and these women are getting paint dumped all over them. why is your face, listeners, her face is like in a scowl as (laughs) she's saying that. I feel like hurt to my core right now. She's like scowling going, I don't know, they're crawling around. (laughs) (laughs) See it with enthusiasm. Yeah, it is. Yes. Well, Hence the reason that my um, fervor would never match yours or we my lack match of fervor. It. There's no way. There's this no way. The most right. unbalanced episode ever. <laughs> exactly. So, it's needless true. to say, we're kind of excited that um, it wasn't. We maybe didn't have to have it. <laughs> yeah, you guys. I, I'll admit, I'm not angry about this at all. <laughs> at all. It is all good, you guys, because we have someone even better than us for you to have your Duran Duran Love Fest with. Jake Rude is both a Minneapolis club DJ and the host of Transmission, a radio program on The Current, which is our indie music station here in the Twin Cities that you can stream from wherever you are. It's on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Every week on Transmission, Jake features a different retro theme for the music that he's going to play. You can also find him on Twitch every Friday night. Ask your children what that is. Um, And he is spinning all 80s tunes, often with a theme, and videos. Mm-hmm. When you see him on Twitch, you get to watch the videos at the same thing. He's been voted the best club DJ in the Twin Cities for 10 years straight, and he's like Twin Cities music royalty, basically. And I am so happy that Jake stepped in, because if I would have had to talk about Duran Duran for like an hour, I'm quite sure Michelle would have kicked me out of this group. <laughs> it's entirely possible, Carolyn, because listeners, do you remember in our 1983 episode, Carolyn's like, if I, if you ask me like what songs Duran Duran sings, I might go, mm, there's that hungry is like a wolf one or something <laughs> like that. Is that the jungle video? Yeah, the yeah, jungle one. crawling on the jungle, jungle floor. floor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But but yes, I was thrilled to learn that Jake was up for this. And you guys, we had such a great time chatting and obsessing all about our favorite band. And I know our Durani listeners will love, love this conversation. How excited are the two of you right now to just so listen to thrilled. it? Excited. <laughs> thrilled. Thank you, Jake Rood. Please, please tell me now. 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 Jake, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Because as much as I love Carolyn and Kristen, you are the perfect person to have this conversation with. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of glad they're not here <laughs> to wow. get in the way of our little Duran Duran Mutual Admiration Society. I'm honored that uh, you uh, turned my way as a guest for a topic such as the Fab Five. Truly. Oh my goodness. Right. And yeah. so I'll um, tell everybody kind of how this came to be. So you and I discovered that we had a shared um, respect and slight I'm not going to say obsession. Let's call it admiration. No, you right? can go there. You can <laughs> okay, go there. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, it's fine. Okay. Obsession with Duran Duran back when you were on the podcast talking with us about Yacht Rock yes. about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we also discovered that we were both set to attend Duran Duran's Twin Cities concert last August. 
for me, it would be only the second time to see them. The first was February 3rd, 1984 in Seattle, Washington, which was my first ever concert, which is a fun coincidence because you were set to bring your, I believe, seven-year-old daughter to her very first concert. Is that right? That is correct. Last year, unfortunately, it got stormed out. As, as you know, you were there as well. I was there. And I was just yeah. going to say, could you please tell everyone the tragic story of what happened? Because even though it's been nine months, it's just still too fresh for me. Well, I, I mean, it, it was an outdoor amphitheater show. And uh, it's, you know, it's summertime. It's risky, right? There's always that chance. But I feel there should always be a backup plan, you know, because people literally flew in from all over that was the tour kickoff so Durani yeah Durani's were flocking in from everywhere for this let alone just the local folks like us who were super psyched and yes for me it would have been my first shared concert with my uh, then seven-year-old daughter which it would have been the perfect gig because Duran Duran has always been quote my band right I mean they've been my favorite band since basically I was her age and uh, it's a band that I've always stuck alongside to even, you know, and maybe we'll start talking about this down the road here in the, in the interview, but when it wasn't cool to like Duran Duran, we are gonna especially talk about as, that, yep. like, as like a dude and as, yeah. which is lame. Cause I always stood by them, you know, yeah. uh, you know, being in the music industry, working at record stores and all of that jazz, it was like, Hey, the machismo, especially during the grunge years, right? Right, right. I'm like, no, bring on my right. pop music and bring on uh, some guy liner. I am all about that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I've always been about that. Well, so let's go back a little bit um, before that. So one of the most important parts of all our conversations here is taking whatever it is we're talking about and connecting it to our younger selves, because that's where we find so much meaning. I want to know... When Duran Duran first came into Little Jake's radar, like, who were you? How old were you? What were you like? What was it that drew you to Duran Duran? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's three letters, M-T-V, right? <laughs> Just as uh, it was for so many uh, folks our age who were introduced to all of these great British bands right. from across the pond. Uh, because a lot of U.S. bands and artists didn't have music videos Mm-mm. in 1981, 82, when MTV was just getting off the ground and started. But the U.K. had shows like Top of the Pops uh, where they showcased and played music videos. So, um, you know, the record label execs were like, hey, we've got this great artist and they come fully stocked with videos. And maybe the uh, the folks at MTV were like, all right, as long as they don't swear or what have you, let's throw them on. So uh, Duran Duran were one of those second wave British invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, once once folks saw what they looked like and they saw as great as they looked and they sounded just as great as they sounded, those two combined was the perfect storm. Oh, right. And they kind of, they kind of led the pack. I mean, there were amazing bands at that time, a flock of seagulls, culture club, ABC, the fix. Um, I mean, it goes on and on. And and wham, of course, (laughs) as well. But there was always something about Duran Duran that was just a little bit above the pack. 
I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so too. And earlier this year, we did an episode about the music of 1983. And we talked a lot about that second British invasion, which of course, like you just said, brought us Duran Duran and all those other great bands. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about that year, 1983, and how the Duran Duran hysteria began, really with Rio, which was actually their second album and mm-hmm. one that many critics and experts actually call their very best and their most defining album because mm-hmm. Rio, um, and I think, you know, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure know this like you and I do, that's when they really exploded. And, and it was due to MTV, which we can also talk about, but they had an album before Rio, but it was mm-hmm. Rio was the first one that really made them known. Right. To us. Right. Right. It exposed them to a much wider audience. I think that they may have first broken Australia. I don't know the background there, but I know that Australians really love their Duran Duran. And that happened a year or two before, you know, mm-hmm. it blew up in the States here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was MTV, like we said, in, in yeah. 83, that's when they were hitting on all cylinders. For um, sure. You know, they were just starting to uh, hit the States regarding a tour. Uh, and then 84 happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're wearing a beautiful tour shirt that replicates I am. that. It's my replica of my 1984 um, tour shirt. And we were the first stop on their tour, Seattle, Washington. And I will never forget it. I mean, we talk hysteria. I'll admit it was their look that first got me. I was about 13. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a probably mid-83, but it was their look. And um, I was 13, almost 14. You know, I was a hopeless romantic who had never yeah. had a boyfriend, right? So yeah. this was the whole like live in a fantasy world because you don't have a reality situation. And these were men and these were British men. And not yeah. only did they look different than what we had been seeing, right? Yeah. With the kind of the spiky hair, like you said, the eyeliner. Oh, do you remember at first when they wore the headbands? They of wore course. like the tied headbands, almost like the let's get physical type tied. Oh, and I was then just gonna say the new romantics met the hopeless romantic. There you yeah. go. That's it, right? I mean, I was all in. And a lot of their early videos from their um, first album, they are just performance videos. Before we get into the films, like the Rios and the Hungry Like the Wolves and the Saver Prayers and even the artistic, artsy ones like the chauffeur. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We're into these these videos of just them all in kind of matching, but not quite matching, but all the same color outfits. And I I was so in for that. But very quickly, I became obsessed with their songs and their music and their sound. Yeah. And so they're not just pretty faces, which right. is, I think, what a lot of a lot of the times those of us who were obsessed with them and loved them, all these Durannies, um, we got kind of labeled as, you know, they're just a boy band. They're just yeah. it's because they were these poster boys. Yes. And I think it was that. Once people started listening to their music and their poetic uh, lyrics, mm-hmm. it led to a lot more respect, especially from critics. Yes. But I am really interested. You brought up something earlier about as a boy. So as a mm-hmm. boy in 1983, mm-hmm. crushing on their music. And when I say crushing, it can be platonically, right? Because that's mm-hmm. a word that definitely means you're you're so into the, to them and their sound and the look. Yeah. And so, yeah. So tell me about that. How was that probably different than what I was experiencing? Well, I just always remember, um, uh, you know, in 1983, I had a Duran Duran's painter's cap. Remember painter's caps? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and I wore badges, as they call them in the UK, or buttons here in the States. Buttons, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, and they were on my backpack and everything was Duran Duran. And I was in 
you know, probably I started young. It was third, fourth grade, and I'd be out on the uh, soccer field during recess kicking the ball around. But uh, the whole school took recess at the same time. So the eighth graders through the second graders were all out there. They would just be in different sections of the field. But these uh, junior high girls were noticing that this, uh, you know, fourth grader had all of this Duran Duran uh, memorabilia on, and they thought, uh, you know, they would come and talk to me. And I just thought I was the coolest because oh. here I am. I wasn't in, I really, you know, I was all about BMX bikes, skateboarding, and G.I. Sure. Joe guys, Star Wars. I could care less about like being attractive, attracted to girls at that right, time. Right. Uh, but I thought I was cool because all these older girls were talking to me because they thought it was cool that there was a uh, a fourth grader who had all of this Duran Duran stuff on his, uh, you know, his vests and his painter's cap and all that his jazz. Cap. And, you know, it was authentic. I wasn't doing it for attention. It was because I was truly obsessed mm-hmm. with the band as well. My, my uncle called me Simon LeBon and all of that. I would stand in front of the the mirror and do, uh, you know, the Simon LeBon dance from planet earth. Yeah. You know, listeners, the, he's doing the, the kind of, you know, back and forth with the arms. If forth, you know planet right. earth, you know it. Yeah. Totally. And I would say the equivalent on the female side is the Belinda Carlisle too, right? From the go-go's <laughs> yeah. where they, she swings, she swings her arms. Up. Yes. It's you almost re- like a version of the Carlton. Kind of. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah. You a much taped down version of the Carlton, right? Yeah. And a cooler version of the Carlton. Oh, for way sure. more. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it it hit me early, and again, um, I'm probably going to say those three letters throughout this entire interview. The MTV, how much of an impact it had. I mean, I I wanted to be a VJ. That was my dream job. That's oh, what I. I that's what I. Before I blew out the candles on my birthday cake, that's what I wished for. Now that you know those it's birthdays important. are over, I can share those wishes that didn't come true. So, but yeah. You know, hey. Well, but it's true. We cannot talk about Duran Duran without talking about MTV and the huge impact they had on each other's success. Martha Mm -hmm. Quinn once said, everyone says MTV made Duran Duran, but you know what? Duran Duran made MTV too. Very very much so. Like you said, people had not seen videos in this form before. They were films. They told a story. And this is all happening, everyone, after, like I said, after they release Rio. It is met with critical success. So Rio goes platinum um, in the USA right after Hungry Like the Wolf is played on maximum rotation on MTV. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, how could you watch that video and not fall in love with that song yeah. and that band and Simon LeBon? <laughs> you get sucked into the story of that of, <laughs> with that video. And that's the video that really did it. That's the one that pulled in millions of people. And it's yep. just like, who are they? What right. is this? And and the musicians um, were who are into it, like I guess in the know, for lack of a better term, really did understand that these guys were good musicians. I mean, because those bass lines are second to none that JT, Mr. John Taylor, was oh, laying so down, brilliant. especially on that album. And of course, he is. Um, just picking him off of uh, bass lines from Chic, you know, one of his favorite bands from the 70s, the disco band. Who we also uh, didn't get to see last August. That's right. Yeah. But they're coming around again, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. Yep. I'm going. Are yeah. you going? I am out of town. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it stings big time, but um, it is what it is. I shouldn't tell you where I get to see them. My makeup concert, we're moving to Denver this summer. 
Uh, oh, my wow. husband and I are because we're like officially empty nesters and we've Never always wanted to always wanted to be in Colorado and we're going before we even knew for sure we were moving. We had yeah. bought like, I don't know, it's something like ridiculous, like ninth row tickets to Duran Duran um, at Red wow. Rocks. And wow. we're like, well, I guess if we don't move, we're going to Denver in August. So I get to see them at Red Rocks. I'm so excited. I'm almost kind of glad of the way it all happened because yeah. had I seen them last year, I wouldn't have bought tickets. I don't think this year. Right. Um, right. But I've never been to a concert at Red Rocks, so Neither I'm very I. excited. Yeah, so then the next month in September is his big Red Rocks concert. We're going to see Sting, which is a oh. great show for Red Rocks, I think, too. Yes, um, yes. We're real excited I've, about uh, that. But um, I interviewed Sting at the Electric Fetus here in Minneapolis. That was uh, that That is a day I'll never forget. That was amazing. My was daughter amazing. was about the same age as his granddaughter child at that time so he was really playful with my daughter at the, at the time and I got great pictures from that day it was um, I even wore stripes you know Duran Duran works works stripes work for Duran Duran but of they course do. stripes work for the police and sting too they so they do absolutely yeah. yeah that's awesome what a memory talk videos with you though. So, because like you said, and like I've just said, you can't talk about MTV without talking about Duran Duran or Duran Duran without talking about MTV. So let's talk some of these videos before, like I said earlier, before Rio, there was a debut album, Duran Duran, Mm -hmm. that was released. And I believe, was it 81? 81. I don't, I think so. Yeah. And so after the, the huge success of Rio, they re-released Duran Duran and so if you think of me, this little seventh grader who has only really just heard Rio to be introduced to them, the album Rio, then all of a sudden, right away, I'm getting songs like Planet Earth. And, and when they re-release it, they add, is there something I should know to yes. it, which is one of my favorite Duran Duran songs because of the video. Can you yep. ever hear that song without pointing when you say, like a nuclear war? <laughs> you can't yeah. not point yeah. and, you know, as you're saying it. I know um, exactly what you mean. And those beautiful blue outfits and white ties. Oh, yes, they're matching. Yeah. I was actually listening uh, to Duran Duran Playlist as I was prepping for this today. And it is so tied to videos, Jake. Like, Careless Memories is on, which I haven't heard in a long time. Love and it. as he says, with a thought with a whisper. When I hear Simon sing that, I picture the video with yeah. a whisper. <laughs> he does it like he does his hands listeners like over his face because yeah. we were glued to MTV. So yep. now we have songs like, like I said, Planet Earth, Girls on Film, all kind of meshing with the Rio and the Hungry Like the Wolf and the Chauffeur and all these songs. I will tell you in my mind, to me, those two albums go together yeah. because they were almost released at the same time in my yeah in my timeline. So let's talk videos. What do you remember as being the first Duran Duran video that kind of grabbed you? Well, it it is, um, as I mentioned earlier, hungry like the wolf, just because I think it was probably played the most early on. And, um, it it is the one that captivated me and caught me. And, um, and then I, I, I remember they released kind of like an EP on, and I can't remember what it's called, but it was a little collection of their videos on VHS that I, that I owned. And, um, that's where I got introduced to, um, I think like last chance in the stairway and other, 
other ones that were a little bit deeper cuts, um, New Religion. I don't think they made a video for New Religion, but Last Chance on the Stairway, um, that's one of my favorites too. Just It's, it's those song. bass lines. It's always those bass lines and how yeah. tight Roger is on the drums with, with John on the bass. So, If you watch even currently on Instagram, and they're always posting current videos mm-hmm. of them prepping for their tour and stuff, just watch Roger on the drums. Like yeah. he is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, th- that kind of stuff got lost on me at age 13, 14, 15, yes. but now I appreciate it. I watch him and then I can, I really listen to the drums on some of the songs. Yeah. He's brilliant. They really all are on their instruments. I mean, Nick, the textures and layers that he has created and, and all of the different players that he has inspired through the years. Nick is Nick is uh, a, a very memorable synth player and keyboard player. And obviously John is like way top, top tier bass player. And Andy, he's not like a huge technical player, but he was a very tight guitarist. Mm. And he brought the rock edge uh, to that band. Um, you know, the, the little power chords. He could play a great clean melody, but he could also mm. turn on some distortion and rock it. Uh, and, and that would pull in the guys that were going with their girlfriends to the shows, you know, they would probably be turned into Duran Duran fans when they actually saw them play live because sure. Yeah. They were on wall bedroom walls and all that. But once you saw the band live, you were like, wow, these guys are really good. If you can hear them over the screaming girls, but yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that's, you know, unfortunately for them, it's that stigma that they kind of had to to put up with because they were really attractive. Um, it, it almost was unfortunate for them because like I said, they are very critically um, regarded as yeah. such great. I mean, here you are who's, you these know, days. but you don't these think, that, were they not back then? And the critics uh, did not groove on Duran Duran in the early days. They mainly, you know, again, it was the pretty boy complex. I mean, some of the critics did the critics that got it, and uh, but a lot of them just passed them off as yeah. pretty boys. And it wasn't until probably in the last, I don't know, 15, maybe 18 years that uh, they really have been um, celebrated for their mm-hmm. playing and for their influence. And obviously last year being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it has come full circle. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're getting the praise that they deserve. I mean, one of the best players in the world, Nile Rodgers, is, uh, you know, they're very good friends with the band and has toured with them many times and produced mm-hmm. the band. Um, but he's one of the greatest guitarists in the world. And he's always championed Duran Duran. And right. obviously for a reason, because he knows that Duran Duran were fantastic artists and musicians mm-hmm. and still are today. Right. And that's why you get like Mark Ronson, uh, one of the hottest producers today that loves working with Duran Duran and has worked with them on their last two records. And in their 60s, right? Like, that's crazy. The longevity is, I think, very telling with them. Back up for just a minute. Correct me if I'm wrong, too. Weren't you at that induction? I feel like... I was. I've never never attended a rock and roll uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony before, but they're my boys, and I needed to go out there, and it was awesome. Okay, 
so we've talked about Hungry Like the Wolf. We both love that. Um, I've said before, I'll say it again because you can't say it enough. When I was little and still to this day when I see it, I want to be the little boy who's squeezing the water sponge into Simon Laban's mouth and the Hungry yes. Like the Wolf video. Rio, what a bop, right? What a crazy yeah. fun video that is. Yeah, it is. And again, to bring up uh, John Taylor, I don't know if you've checked out the isolated bass lines. If you look up on okay. YouTube, um, John Taylor, Rio bass line, it's just all of the music taken out except John's part. And that's when your head explodes because you actually hear wh- what John is playing on that on that song. Is that something that you can find online, like on YouTube or yeah, something? On YouTube, okay. Yeah. I'm going to put that listeners. I'm going to put that in the weekly reader this week, because that sounds like something super cool to get to hear. We talked about it just a minute, just a minute ago, but you can't talk their videos without talking how like almost that, that art, art house type style of the chauffeur is. Mm-hmm. That's a memorable video. And I love that song. You can't get it out of your head all day long, right? That whole... Yeah, those dark, moody Duran Duran tunes. Those are my favorite Duran songs. And that's that's Simon and his writing. Um, and Nick, too, with the, the layered uh, synth lines, mm-hmm. um, especially on the chauffeur with those, that intro and, and such. Mm-hmm. But... Um, that and uh, the seventh stranger, which is obviously the the ending track on Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which is an album I'm sure we'll be talking about here. But uh, yeah. those are like those are my favorite Duran Duran songs because they're just so moody and beautiful. And like you said, Simon, um, you know he's he's he writes these songs. He's so he's so poetic. But I will say that there's many a Duran Duran song I cannot figure out the lyrics to. And yeah. if, even if it's like you're listening to it and you think, well, I'm just singing a misheard lyric. If you look it up, you're like, nope, you are correct. That is what you are really hearing. Yeah. But, you know, the chauffeur is is so beautiful. The song is so haunting and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But back to that video for just a minute. It is, it is beautifully shot, right? Yes, it is. It's a video that I think was heavily edited for MTV mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. there's, you know, topless women in it, but it's beautiful. It's not obscene at all. It's no. um, tastefully done. very tastefully done. And I feel yeah. like, I wonder how old we were when we were first able to actually see that uncut video because mm-hmm. it couldn't have been, I mean, think about like girls on film that, that was heavily edited for MTV. That and was that made was to show more. at the clubs. That whole video was not made to show on MTV. So they had to edit it like crazy. And even edited, we thought it was super naughty. I remember I was at my buddy, my buddy, Rich. That's funny. He's a big, big drummer from the big band era. Anyway, my friend Rich is home. Uh, we were watching that VHS of Duran Duran's videos. And um, I remember Girls on Film was on and his dad walked in. He's like, what is, get this, you know, you pull this trash off. And he, he hid the video uh, somewhere in the house, but, uh, you know, we, we felt like rebels. I'm sure most listeners listening know the uncut video, like the unedited version of girls on film, not quite as tastefully done as chauffeur, right? We've got no, some uh, wrestling women. <laughs> yeah. A little raunchy at segments with the, like the, they're straddling a pole and the mud wrestling and all of that jazz. Yeah. They actually had versions of their songs called the night version, didn't they? That were to yes. be played at the clubs. So they're yeah. way longer. They're way yeah. more maybe involved, more instrumental. 
And so just like those versions of their songs, they had night versions of their videos. So if you want to see these listeners, you can, I think, search night version oh, yeah. of, of their songs and of their, yeah. um, of their videos too. All They're of the so videos good. from the Rio album though, that were shot in Sri Lanka and um, Antigua, I believe it was. I I believe it was so, yeah. yeah. Are so, so beautifully done. I think save a prayer is mm-hmm. they're in that temple at the end. And yeah. I mean, save a prayer for me. It's all about some people call it a one night stand, but we can call it paradise because yeah. I was in love with Simon LeBond. So as a 14 year old girl hearing him sing that, your insights yeah. turn to liquid, basically. Yeah. And then watching yeah. the video of it, and he's just sort of on this chaise lounge in this white suit. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing with those videos. Mm-hmm. Let's just say. But he's dancing with another woman in, you know, with the window and the, and the window dressing. And so does that take the allure away from all of you? I don't know. Well, I wanted to be the woman in the red dress. That's all yeah. I would, I would happily be the woman in the red dress. Um, right. But I think he said too, in an interview that this wasn't like a romantic song at all. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be. And I just think, well, then you failed because to all of us 14 year olds in 1983, that's what it was. Okay. I want us to talk favorites because I love talking favorites. So favorite album, go. And you can be, it can be any album from the beginning all the way up to their most recent. Do you have one or is that a terrible question? um, Favorite album. It's the one that we've been talking about because it's the one I go back to the most. And it is Rio because Mm -hmm. there is a song on that record for every mood that you're into, uh, whether you are feeling down or whether you're feeling like uh, you want to go out and hit the town. um, There's, there's a song or you're just deep and pensive and uh, you're in the thinking mood. That is a great way to talk about that album. That's perfect. Yeah. It, it, it runs the gamut and there is no filler. It's all killer. As they say, <laughs> all killer and no filler. It's so uh, true. You've got like hungry, like the wolf and Rio are such bops. You cannot hear yeah. those songs. I always say you can't hear those songs without like, doing the air drums at the beginning when you're right. driving to this day. Yeah. But then you do have the pensive and you have the slow and the romantic Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would have to say my second favorite is seven and the ragged tiger, the next one. Mm -hmm. And then my third favorite being, um, the debut in 81, Mm -hmm. um, fourth would probably be all you need is now in 2011. That is the album where I became re obsessed with with, with the band. Um, maybe you don't know that album well enough, but you should put it on because it sounds like a natural follow-up to Rio. I will, you will, yeah. you, you will, your mind will be blown by how good, basically that's the album that I believe Mark Ronson produced. They brought in Mark Ronson, okay. but he was obsessed with Duran Duran when he was young too. So he's okay. a massive fan and he wanted Duran Duran to speak to kind of go back to the 80s sound. And so he produced it that way. That's why that album especially brought back a lot of 80s Duran Duran fans into re-experiencing, reconnecting with them, and uh, re-falling in love with Duran Duran. All You Need Is Now 2011. You should definitely check it out. Listeners, this is why we have Jake on the podcast today. Um, Well, I'll tell you my favorite 
album is Seven and the Ragged Tiger because I was there for its birth. So, okay. you know, like I said, when I became a fan, the other ones were kind of always out, but Seven and the Ragged Tiger, I was there to be excited about the new yes. album coming out, the release. Yes. Um, and plus the concert, you know, when I yeah. went to the concert, that's what they were promoting. But yeah. Rio and Duran Duran, I will agree. They, they're kind of like my twin second favorites because like I told you earlier, they all go together for me. I guess you, if you said, you know, what the, the mainstream songs, I can tell you which one they came from, but the deep cuts, they all get crowded. Um, I can't differentiate which album. So that leads me to, I want to ask you the next favorite question. What is your favorite or your couple favorite mainstream, like heavily played, heavily rotated songs from Duran Duran? Heavily rotated. Okay, that's that's a good thing. And, and I love what you said because Seven and Reggae Tiger, I feel like it's my album too, just like mm-hmm. you did. Because I was there. That was the band that I loved at the time when it came out. So yeah. just like you, the, the debut album in Rio had already happened, and then you know we discovered it. But we had the anticipation. I remember getting it for Christmas, um, and and I remember yes. putting the Seven and the Ragged Tiger poster right above my bed in my bedroom. You know where I Simon LeBon has got a, a tiger, tiger on a leash, and they're on like a stairway to like it almost looks like some sort of gothic. Uh, Do you have I'm it in on your- my wall right now? Because I have album covers on my wall over my turntable. Yeah. And I yeah. have that one there. And at one point I thought, was that my album or did I buy that over the past, you know, however many years? It's 100% not my album because I wouldn't have had the album. I had the cassette. And yeah. I do own my cassette. And I showed it to Carolyn and Kristen one time. You cannot see. It just looks like a cream-colored cassette. All of the words of the yes. songs have been rubbed off from how many times I grabbed it, put yeah. it, you know, turned it over. You can yeah. barely see the part that says Ragged Tiger. Yeah. But other than that, they're all they're all gone. Yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me your mainstream song. Um, mainstream ones, probably OG Duran Duran songs. So like Planet Earth, that's the song that really um, I loved dancing to. Right when I turned 21, going out dancing, um, I loved going up to the DJ and requesting that song because it made me move. And again, it's John Taylor's bass lines that just kind of pump along, that keep the dance floor grooving. And then I became a DJ, and it's such an honor to always play Duran Duran. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I'll be playing them tonight at the club at Transmission. Oh, so, that's amazing. You know, it's, it's going to be a cure-heavy night tonight because they're playing St. Paul tomorrow night. But okay. uh, I, I make sure I play Duran Duran each and every transmission. For me, Cure is um, college. Cure is college. Cure and like New Order, that's all very college for me. So my favorite mainstream Duran Duran song, hands down, is The Reflex. And it has a lot to do with um, the (laughs) ta-na-na-na's. It has more uh, than anything to do with my concert memory. And if you've ever watched the official music video of The Reflex, it was shot at that concert, not the one I was at, but at that tour. So what you see, and when Simon runs forward and they all three jump after the, right, as he, before he starts singing, you've gone too far this time, they all run and they jump. And I witnessed that and I will never forget how that felt. I was screaming. I was crying. I love to watch that video because thank God for YouTube, right? God bless YouTube because if you had told me at age 14, you're going to get to go back one day and rewatch this anytime you want, I would have, my mind would have been blown. And I'll yeah. tell you, I do watch it not that often, but sometimes yeah. you just, you need that, that, those chills again. So I love and the we, reflex so much. I, um, I, I've built my career on nostalgia. I'm all about that. So, mm-hmm. um, 
I, I know the exact moment you're talking about in that video, and uh, it's hard not to watch the reflex and see those guys jump out, uh, you know, close up with those camera angles and That's not get fun. goosebumps. It's like, yes. bring it on. Let's let's do this, boys. You know, I so, love it. I love it. And that's Nile Rogers produced too. So, oh, is it really? Yeah, oh, he's really? the guy that really added some magic to it for sure. Yeah, with the with the wave. Uh, Simon Lebon was recently on a podcast I was listening to, and he said it's so funny now to watch that video because at the time they thought that wave coming out of the yeah. screen was. Yeah like next level, like one of the coolest things they've done, you know, you could do in a video. And it was actually really cool. And then remember they made all the people kind of look at it and then they all look like they're wet. (laughs) Throwing buckets of water on the audience. You just couldn't tell. Yeah. Probably so. Uh, And now it looks beyond cheesy, of course, with the graphics, but at the time it was, wow. Yeah. I know. I don't know. It still works for me. I'll say it's still that whole video. Good. I love it. Yeah. Okay, let's go deep cuts. Um, do you okay. have two or three favorite deep cuts you want to share? Um, well, deeper cuts um, off of our, you know, one of our favorite off of the albums. top three, maybe. Yeah. So, like "Shadows on Your Side" is a That's great. That's right. Tune. That's a good one. Um, God, "Tiger Tiger" is a beautiful instrumental. That's um, how the concert just, started. Like, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, mm-hmm. Off the first album, I find myself listening to Is There Anyone Out There? Um, go back and, and re-listen I, to that one again. I have it on John, my list. It's on my list. There it is. Yeah. John Taylor's bass in that. That's so good. It's, it's such so a great good. song, isn't it? Okay, yeah. I'm going to give yeah. you one. How much do you love this song from Seven and the Ragged Tiger? I'm not even going to tell you the title. Take the Dice is such a fun song. It's such yeah, it a great is. song to sing along. I mean, with a lyric like, catch me with your fizzy smile. How can you not love yeah. that? Right? Uh, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you, especially since you love the chauffeur, I, I talked about the All You Need Is Now album. You need to, as soon as we hang up from this interview, look up The Man Who Stole a Leopard. The Man okay. Who Stole a Leopard. Because it took the blueprints of the chauffeur and just updated it. You'll, you'll absolutely love it. And that's, I, I just think you're going to love that 2011 album. Okay, I will. And I'm sure we have listeners right now that are shouting in agreement with you going, yes, I love that album too. So thank you. That's amazing. Um, Okay, Mm -hmm. I also love from Rio. Another one of mine is My Own Way. I I think that's that's probably my favorite track on that album. Mm. That's probably my, yeah. Again, it's the baseline. Thank you, JT. Yeah. 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 I hope you get to meet him one day. What's it? I said, I hope you you get to meet him one day. No, I hope you do. Oh, I have. I've met him three times. I've met the band three times. Wait, wait, wait. Way to bury the lead, Jake. Tell us. Tell us what. Yeah. The last, actually, I've met him twice, not three times. I've seen him three times. I've met him twice. The last two times they played. Um, Just being in in the industry, um, you know, I do release parties for all their albums. So I work with their management and um, um, their record labels and, um, and and just people at the venue you know it's it's yeah. just kind of being in music for over 30 years you make connections and sure. um and you know they know that you're not going to be some weird obsessive fan that's gonna uh, go crazy backstage on them yes i try to keep my cool um oh i also interviewed uh john taylor for the release of his autobiography um you should google that you, 
I do sound nervous, but if you okay. want to Google just Jake Rude and John Taylor interview, oh. uh, you'll find it for, uh, probably about whenever his autobiography came out. Oh, that's going um, on the Weekly Reader this week, too. That's amazing. Yeah. That's our newsletter. I, that's our email newsletter. I do, feel, I do feel quite nervous, and I feel like I come across quite nervous, but I'm talking to my base hero. You are? Um, and that was one of the very first interviews that I did. I interviewed Thomas Dolby first for The Current. That's the radio station I work for, for that's Minnesota Public Radio. And then um, soon after was John Taylor. And... Um, I've been able to interview a lot of a lot of my heroes, um, mm-hmm. Brian Ferry, which is one of John Taylor's biggest influences. Um, but Brian Ferry, Chrissy Hind, Sparks, um, you know, Sting, a lot of great. That's insane. you taking the time. I appreciate you sharing your obsession with me and not thinking that I'm crazy. Like I think sometimes my co-hosts do just a little bit. And you know, <laughs> Michelle, uh, before we depart, it is usually I, as a, as a radio DJ, do a lot of interviews. So I'm humbled and honored to be, you know, interviewed by you again. Um, but, um, I need to ask a couple questions yeah. to a fellow Durani too. Okay. So by the way you were steering conversation and the way you talked about him, I think I know what the answer will be. But, okay. I mean, who's your favorite Duran? Simon LeBon. Of course yeah. And is. here's the reason. Yeah. The reason why is because when we were in um, seventh grade and they first came onto our radar, my friend group, we all pick, had to pick one to be like our husband, right? Like we each had to sort of claim one. And if, I think I was drawn to John Taylor first just because I've always been drawn to brunettes. But my friend Lisa got John Taylor before I could. So then I was no. Simon Le Bon. So we had this sort of, you know, we were still only seventh grade girls. So as as grown up, as we like to think we were, you know, crushing on these older men, we still sort of had this fun little, we were Duran Duran wives. We like played, like we would write notes in class to each other about like, oh, do you want to come over for dinner? Cause the boys are on tour and you know, whatever. And we'd sign up Michelle Laban or it yes. was, we, we joked that it was fan fiction, <laughs> fantasy fiction before. So because I was assigned kind of Simon Laban, I crushed, I went all in. I was, I was, and still to this day, I think, I think they all have aged wonderfully. I can still honor that 13, 14 year old girl who oh, cried sure. just, I mean, my wall was plastered in Duran Duran yeah. posters, yeah. but I'm not that same person now. I can go to the concert. Will I cry when they come on stage? Maybe, but that's just mm-hmm. because I'm going to have so much emotion at who I was and who I am now. I don't crush on him now at all, Right. but when I see a picture of Simon Le Bon from 1983, I still get like goosebumps. Oh, right on. Yeah. Do you have, did you have a favorite? Um, You know, I I think I probably wanted to be Simon Le Bon, you know, especially when my uncle used to call me that. And, uh, you know, when I'm out on recess and the older girls were all like, they would, they would call me Simon. So I think there was something, you know, to that. And then when I was old enough to hit the nightclubs, I was dancing like Simon. Uh, so probably Simon, <laughs> Simon Lamont. Okay. So it's, all it's right. all right. But e- equally, uh, these days I, I love them all equally. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I just love that they're still with us and it, it's, too. it's huge. So many of these bands are still with us. I just got back from Los Angeles 
at, from the Cruel World uh, Festival. I don't know if you know no, what that was, but uh, uh, Billy Idol, the Human League. Actually, the Human League will be in Cancun with us again this uh, Oh, you're November. kidding. I really love the Human League. They were the first, like, second British invasion band. But, yeah, Cruel World had um, Iggy Pop and... Susie Sue, and between the, the last one, your listeners will if they if they're not familiar with what Cruel World Festival is, I swear these guys owe me money because I promote it like nothing else, and it sells out. The last one was last year, the first one, and this last one just happened uh, a couple weeks ago. But it's it's basically classic alternative bands, and it's a festival of them. So it's Susie Sue of Susie and the Banshees, it's Iggy Pop, it's it's Berlin, it is Missing Persons. Um, Billy Idol, Human League, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Vapors, Modern English, what? all of these artists, oh, and they're all goodness. on the same day. It, it was, it was, it's a dream. And how what's Billy, really cool, how was Billy Idol aged? I'm not sure. Great. He just played oh, yes? oh, awesome. St. Paul about three weeks ago. Okay, yeah, good. That's good to hear. He's he still brings it. All right. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's he's very cool. And his his original guitarist Steve Stevens is with him. He's the one who wrote all those great songs: "Eyes Without a Face," "Flesh for Fantasy," "White so Wedding," they, and they still sound fantastic today. That's what's great about these artists. They're in their early sixties, but they've preserved themselves well. They take care of themselves. You know, it's called whiskey. They probably don't. Yeah, they don't hit the. The bottle, and they may, they probably hopefully kick smoking, you know, all of yeah. that jazz. So yeah. they're taking care of themselves, and, mm. and uh, we're happy for that. So yeah, it is, it is true. It's nostalgia reigns right now with our generation, and it's for an important reason. It's a nice day for a white wedding. Well, what an awesome thing this has been, and uh, thank you again for reaching out. Congratulations to all three of you on the success of this podcast. That's. If my life wasn't so busy, I, I, it's almost weekly that someone says, you need to have a podcast. Bring on these artists that you and I were just talking about Would and interview that. them and just talk to them, uh, you know, like you do to, to, to artists. Well, you would be amazing at it. And you need to promise me this. I told you that if we ever get Martha Quinn, yeah. I've noted that you need to be a guest. If you uh, ever do this, Jake, I know and you get Simon LeBond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to expect that favor yes. returned. Okay. Yes. No okay. problem. I, I promise I will, I will not it. gush too much. I promise I'll be, I'll be yeah. calm and cool. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Right. He's, he's so cool and he's so down to earth and he um, yeah, my, my wife loved him too. Cause she was backstage with me and you know, she, she loves Simon too. And when we were getting our pictures taken with him, you know, he's putting his arms around my, my <laughs> wife and me and, you know, inside, like both my wife and I kind of like glance at each other. Like, is this real? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Totally. It so was, great. it was the best, um, but so he's, great. he's the coolest. So are you cool with Yasmin? Or are you a little jealous? Are everything cool there? Yeah, no, I'm totally cool with Yasmin. I was not cool with Claire Stansfield because she was his girlfriend in 1983. So she was my moral oh. enemy. I'll never forget oh. that name because, you know, it was oh. in all the magazines that he had this girlfriend, right? Claire Stansfield. Yeah. I love his relationship with Yasmin. I love that it's lasted so long. I love their family. I love they have grandkids. And during COVID, they all cohabitated together in his giant, beautiful mansion. I love, I love that. I love to know that. So I'm so cool with Yasmin. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. I just wanted to (laughs) make sure. Because I'm not, like I said, because I'm not current day. Michelle doesn't like crush on him. 
current yeah. day Michelle wants yeah. him to be happy. You know, <laughs> 1983 yeah. Michelle um, wanted to find Claire Stansfield and, you know, hit her in the kneecap. Oh my goodness, Jake, this has been so much fun. Thank you. And there's a lot we didn't cover. There's too, so much so. we didn't cover, yeah. but you know what? Yeah. Listeners, part two. Maybe that'll come in a couple seasons. Yeah. Would you be yeah. willing, Jake, to come do part two? You throw you throw two Durannies in a room together, <laughs> and uh, an hour seems like five minutes. Yeah. I know that almost seems like the setup to a um, a bad joke. What do you get yeah. when you throw two Durannies in a room? But this exceeded my wildest expectations. I loved having this conversation. did I tell you guys, was that a great conversation or what? <laughs> it was awesome. I've got to hand it to you guys. You know your stuff when it comes to Duran Duran. And now I'm just so grateful and super glad that I didn't have to be a part of that conversation because here's the deal. I would have either been silent or I would have said something really stupid that may or may not have had you getting a little frustrated or mad at me. <laughs> you guys could have kept going for hours. And actually, I would have kept listening because, like I said, I do like Duran Duran. Yeah. I generally do. But that was a really great conversation that I didn't have to have. And I love that little Jake wore a painter's cap to school with Duran Duran buttons on it. Isn't that so, Aww. like, tell us you're a Gen Xer it. without telling us you're a Gen Xer? <laughs> yeah. Just a picture of you in a painter's cap? A painter's cap. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I had such a blast doing this episode with Jake. And you guys heard it here first. If he ever talks to Simon again, or gets him on that, maybe his future podcast, I get to be there. He doesn't know that we have a lot of people listening right now who are going to hold him to that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you again to Jake Rude. And all of you listening, thank you so much for your support and for leaving a star rating or review where you listen. That helps others like you and maybe Simon LeBon find our <laughs> podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. Whether you are a superstar, a solid gold, or a bicentennial member, our Patreon supporters are the only income stream we have at the PCPS. They pay our expenses so we can afford to do this full time. Without them, this show would literally cease to exist. This week, we are giving a special shout out to patrons Kara, Allison, Liz, Marilyn, Kevin, B, Kristen, and Aaron. And if you haven't already subscribed to our email newsletter, the Weekly Reader, what are you waiting for? Because each Friday, this delightful piece of journalism lands in your inbox, and the quick read is full of all sorts of fun stuff, like things the three of us are listening to or reading or watching. And you'll also find info on upcoming PCPS events, like Kristen's Worldwide Crush book events, and our cool PCPS grown-up book fair and crush party on July 30th. You can subscribe by visiting our website at poppreservationist.com or on our link in bio on Instagram. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Something <laughs>
we're together. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song. Traveling.